Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There was something I was thinking about a little earlier today, which is, if you ever call something a great rivalry, you know, if so-and-so fan says, hey, our rivalry with blah, blah, blah is a great rivalry, you're kind of making an interesting statement about the rival that you hate. For instance, if an Ohio State fan says, hey, our rivalry with Michigan is a great rivalry, or if an Alabama fan says the Iron Bowl is a great rivalry, in a roundabout way, what you're saying there is, is that our rival is good enough to help make the rivalry great because it takes two to tango as the saying goes here that a rivalry can't really be one-sided so if a rivalry is great then both sides are doing their part to contribute to making it a great rivalry and I think that's an interesting thing to consider as George gets ready to take on his in-state rival Georgia Tech on Saturday and I really have never really considered Georgia Georgia Tech the rivalry known as clean old-fashioned hate to be a great rivalry now it may be an important rivalry and certainly from a Georgia perspective it's a historic rivalry and throughout the week here on the show we'll talk more about I guess the history of it and how it's understood by the coaches and players who participate in this game on Saturday but do I think of it as a great rivalry no and in fact I would go so far as to say this that the mission of Georgia in my lifetime is to make sure that the Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry isn't great because the times in which this rivalry has sort of felt like at its greatest at its sort of apex uh, those were times in which Georgia wasn't quite good enough to assert a level of dominance over Georgia, Georgia uh, over, over, over Georgia Tech. You like think about like 98, 99, 2000. That's a stretch when Georgia Tech was beating Georgia three years in a row. Clean old-fashioned hate as a rivalry probably felt greater and more significant then than it ever had before. But was that a good thing for Georgia? I would say probably not. And for those of you who kind of remember the, the, the way old days, back when like Theron Sapp was getting his number retired at Georgia because he was breaking the drought of, what was it, seven straight wins for Tech that led to the uh, seven or eight. I, I forget. I apologize for not knowing specifically. But that was long losing streaks. Well, the rivalry maybe seemed great back then, but the rivalry being great wasn't great for Georgia because a great rivalry means you got two formidable foes on each side here. And Georgia has worked very hard this century and very hard in my lifetime to make sure Tech wasn't formidable enough to make the rivalry great. So that's kind of the backdrop for for Georgia and Georgia Tech here on Saturday. And yet with me saying all of that, just because I don't think it's a great rivalry, just because I believe it ought to be Georgia's mission to make sure this isn't a great rivalry, that doesn't mean that Georgia isn't motivated for the rivalry game. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, about how once again, you see a little bit of an example here of what Georgia's saying publicly and maybe what Georgia says privately being very, very different. I'm going to try to give you some specific, tangible examples of how that's true. And if you're a UGA fan, to be completely honest here, knowing that you probably do want to beat up on your in-state foe or you just want to win every game you play and you got the SEC championship coming up next Saturday, you might be thinking, well, it's tempting to look ahead on all of this. And you might be thinking it's tempting to look past Tech because, after all, they've been kind of lowly Georgia Tech now for a few years. And yet, quietly this year, they're playing a little bit better with interim coach Brent Key. You might be a little nervous about some of that. And some of the things that some Georgia players have said this week, that might make you a little nervous too, especially for guys who maybe because they didn't grow up really following college football or they didn't grow up in this area, 
that maybe they don't have the understanding of what clean old-fashioned hate used to be about what it should be about what it is about you might be kind of left to think oh gosh i'm getting a little nervous here because george is not exactly fanning the flames of this rivalry publicly in fact let me give you an example here so Jamon dumas johnson grew up in kind of the midway uh sort of you know maryland area and you know uh, uh mid-atlantic is what i meant to say they're kind of like that mid-atlantic region up there and obviously up there, they're not talking about Georgia, Georgia Tech very much. And Jamon Dumas Johnson sort of admitted that, hey, coming down here to play at Georgia, he had sort of a lot to learn about what the rivalry known as clean old fashioned hate between Georgia and Georgia Tech, what that means to people down here. This is what Jamon Dumas Johnson said about that earlier this week. I knew in the 90s it was kind of back and forth. But um, lately, even, you know, all Georgia winning the rivalry so far. Um, that's all I know pretty much about the rivalry. Um, I just know uh, when Coach Mark first came here, we lost. And kind of during his era, he most likely lost to him. So if you're the television network televising this game, I don't believe you're going to get much from that quote to like hype up the game. Hey, this thing used to be big in the 90s. Like, I'm not quite so sure that like sort of sets the stage for what's going to happen here. And, you know, there's a level of, I guess, uh, uh, subdued emotion there from Jamon Dumas Johnson. You're sort of like, well, gosh, you know, is 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 Georgia ready for this? Or is is Georgia plugged in and, and ready to do what needs to be done on Saturday? You got the uh, player here from you know, kind of outside of our state, outside of our region. And he's maybe not even quite so sure. You know, there's much of a, a rivalry. You know, to all of this, and you know, uh, Jack Budlesny, the, the the kicker uh, who spoke this week, kind of the same thing for him. Of hey, I had to be kind of educated about you know, kind of you know why. Uh, this rivalry matters. Here's uh, Pudlesny kind of talking more about that himself. You know, growing up, I didn't watch much football. I didn't, um, wasn't really growing up on it. I just knew that there's always that, you know, the clean passion, old hate, or whatever the saying is for it. Um, and knowing that there's always, you know, disgust or whatever you may want to call it between the two schools and that the rivalry was a hard-fought battle between teams and it always will be, no matter what. I mean, calling it clean, what do you call it? clean fashion old hey i mean that's once again one of those deals where it's like ah, are we really sure that this team is understanding what this rivalry is all about but here's what i'm here to tell you and i feel quite confident saying this this is another example of something that georgia does all the time they do this all the time and frankly kirby smart does this i would think really really well is that georgia kind of has this outward exterior where every game is always the same and everything is just the next game and whatever else and then like privately the emotional level that's that's discussed is far far different and we don't have to look very far to see examples of this think about the other rivals that georgia has and this is actually the truth is that georgia is a unique program because it does have a lot of rivals and that's because you know the in-state rival isn't in the SEC. Geographically, Georgia's a big state. You've heard all this before. And depending on where you live, you know the game against Auburn might matter to you more. The game against, in some cases, if you live over in like Augusta, the South Carolina game matters to you a bunch. Historically, you think about the rivalry with Florida. You have you have all of this stuff that's kind of going on. We believe here, obviously, a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost, and and that's our you know kind of belief here. But obviously, we also view Tech as a rival, and it's a legitimate foe that Georgia faces each and every season. But the point here is when you look at the other rivals that Georgia has you've seen the same example of this year over year Kirby will act like going into the Florida game ah oh, this is just you know a game and they're all rivals and whatever else and yet on the sideline after the game every kind of sort of 
moment that gets captured, you see this intense level of emotion, which obviously demonstrates how much the game means. The same thing for Auburn there as well. You know, Kirby will pretend like, you know, it's the farthest thing from his mind or whatever else. And yet how many times snapshots of celebrations after wins or the intensity of the moment during the game where it is quite obvious it means something more to him and he has put his emotion on display for these players and now it means more to them because it means something to Kirby you've seen millions of examples of this that's something that Kirby Smart does really really well they put together this facade of we're all you know kind of businesslike and we don't really use emotion and yet during the games after the games on the sideline they're clearly driven by that extra level of emotion they've just kind of figured out a way to push those buttons they do a really good good job with it and I feel quite confident the same thing's going to be happening on Saturday there as well. And I want to give you an example as to why. You heard Jamon Dumas Johnson say this a moment ago that actually, you know, and this is kind of a hard thing to remember back to because it seems like such a long, long time ago. But Georgia Tech has actually beaten Kirby Smart since Kirby Smart has been head coach at UGA. That seems crazy to think about because Georgia's won the national championship. Georgia's been to the college football playoff twice. Georgia's established itself as a major power in the sport, maybe the supreme power in the sport right now. But back in 2016, in Smart's first year, that's not what things were. Georgia was struggling to find whatever wins it could get, and it kind of gave away a winnable game against Georgia Tech on that particular Saturday. And I think there is something that happens kind of interesting when the the failure against Georgia Tech is something that can be discussed in the present tense. This one thing, as JDJ said a moment ago, uh, pop as they call him, it's one thing to say, yeah, back in the 90s, this was pretty tough. Like that doesn't have any like tangible meaning to the people in the Georgia football facility right now. As much as I care about the history of this and Kirby Smart kind of participated in that history, stuff from the 90s isn't motivating anybody to do anything right now. It's just not. We all know that. But when you can say as a coach and the guys that have also worked with Kirby's assistants, when you can say, hey, a few years ago, they beat us a few years ago, this happened to us. All of a sudden, that becomes a lot more of a present sort of a present tense conversation. And that becomes a lot more of a motivating factor. I want to give you an example that proves the point here. There's a guy that we know really well. His name is Mike Johnson. Now, Mike and I used to do a show together called SEC Country Live. Mike is a former Alabama All-American, and Mike was a part of the Alabama team that won the first national championship for Nick Saban back in 2009. So Mike had been there. He was a senior that year. So he had been there for Saban's first year. And you got to realize Kirby Smart's also kind of a part of this too. And he was a part of the kind of building up of the what has really become an Alabama dynasty. You have to admit that it has been. Uh, he was a part of kind of building all of that up. And so a few years ago on the show, we had Mike talking about, you know, rivalry games like Georgia and Georgia Tech and kind of how these are discussed. And Mike told a great story about how Nick Saban came to view the Iron Bowl differently as Alabama coach, because in his first year, uh, Auburn beat Alabama and that that Mike, who's a smart guy and one of the captains, one of the leaders of the Alabama team, kind of saw the evolution of the way in which Nick Saban talked about the Iron Bowl. And I think what Mike said about Saban then is probably also relevant for how Kirby talks about Georgia Tech now. Let me let you hear this. This is from an old episode of Dog Nation Daily. And see if you can kind of see the through line here of how a coach kind of changes how he views an opponent when that opponent's actually had some success against him. This is Mike Johnson a couple of years ago. That was Nick Saban's first taste of the rivalry, really. So I don't think he understood it. Throughout the week, he kind of explained it to us like, hey, guys, this rivalry means a lot to a lot of people in in this state. And it was so funny because when you come back in 2008 and Nick Saban had tasted a little bit of loss 
on that side of the rivalry. It was almost like he was more irritated. He was like, hey, this game means a lot to everybody in this locker room now. You know, this, this game, this is a big deal for this football team and for this university and for this athletic department. You know, it was almost like getting a taste of that loss the year before to Tommy Tuberville and company really amped him up to try to go out on a, on a ledge and really develop that team in a way to, to, to kind of put Auburn behind it. I think it's different for Kirby Smart. Obviously, he's been a part of that rivalry, so he understands that and, and maybe a little bit better than most people that are coming from the outside in. And I think that you try to play into the player's psyche when you talk about these rivalry games. I love that from Mike Johnson. First of all, Mike's a great guy. Some of you know him. He's, he's a great guy. I, I love that because it's behind the scenes and it's honest. Mike, who watched the evolution of Nick Saban, Alabama, saw him go from a guy who's like, hey, this thing used to be big back in the 90s. Let's care about this right now to, no, all of a sudden we care about this because of what just happened to us. Tommy Tuberville, as head coach of Auburn, beat Saban in 2007. When they were ready to play in 2008, uh, as Mike Johnson tells it, completely different attitude for Nick Saban. All of a sudden now he's got some emotional investment in this rivalry game. You don't think Kirby Smart feels the same way about Georgia Tech? You don't think Kirby Smart is such an insatiable competitor that he has memories of the fact that he lost this bunch in 2016? You don't think that drives him? And you don't think these Georgia players are driven by what drives Kirby? Watch the way in which these guys relate to each other all the time. The connection they have. And a lot of the connection that Kirby speaks about is player to player. But a lot of this is shaped by the culture created by the coaches. And if these coaches have the taste of defeat still in their mind, because honestly, and think about it this way, Tech hasn't been to Athens since 2018. So the Georgia Tech win against Georgia in 2016 was two home games ago. If you really think about it that way, because they didn't play in 2020. So Georgia won this game in 2018 in Athens. And the previous home game prior to that was the one that Tech won. You don't think that doesn't come up this week? You don't think Del McGee's not talking about that because he was on this staff. Glenn Schumann's not talking about that because he was on this staff. There are people who work with Kirby that experience that themselves. You don't think they're driven and, and, and motivated by all of that? I believe they are. I think this is one of the cool things about Georgia. When you have an alumnus as head coach, you do have a special appreciation for rivalries. And when you've tasted defeat in the rivalry, even though losing to Tech in 2016 wasn't a good thing, it becomes the kind of thing that becomes an even more of a galvanizing, motivating force for this team right now. Uh, last week, I told you, I thought Georgia was in kind of a tricky spot, kind of finishing a long, tough stretch of SEC games and being on the road and having it be cold. And I wasn't quite so sure what ver version of Georgia you'd see there in that spot. I don't feel the same way about Saturday. I feel pretty sure this is going to be a Georgia team highly motivated to come here, finish off the home slate uh, with an undefeated regular season, to smack around an in-state rival because all of these Georgia folks have an appreciation of what the Tech rivalry means. They may not say it publicly, but privately they know that there is no joy to be had by Tech having any reason to feel they're part of this rivalry uh, whatsoever. Privately, I believe that's what drives this team. I think it's very similar to the evolution that Nick Saban had at Alabama. And I think that could be the fuel that Georgia needs for another big win on Saturday there as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Apple Sports Radio 960. The ref are available as a podcast wherever you find them. The Apple Player, Spotify, the WorldFamousDogNation.com. Lots of ways for you to connect with our broadcast, and we really appreciate you joining us 
no matter how you get to us today. And a huge thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible there as well. Raining a little bit as I was driving in here this morning reminds me that for some of you, the the presence of rain, the presence of that 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 moisture is the kind of thing that makes you a little bit nervous because you know when it comes to your basement, your crawl space, your garage, that water's creeping in where it's not supposed to be. You either see the remnants of that wet spots that have been left behind, or in some cases, maybe even actually standing water right there on the inside. And you know how much damage that has the potential to do to your home over the course of the long haul. Well, that's the reason why you want to reach out to my friends and Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Plus, you got those uh, cracks that you may be seeing in the foundation down in the bottom floor of your house or in the walls, other places. Once again, that's a sign of a potentially serious problem. And it's the kind of thing you want to talk to Engineered Solutions of Georgia about. Now, the good news is they're a solutions-based company. That's really right there in their name. So if it's a simple fix, that's what they want to tell you. They'll give you the instruction you need to kind of take care of that if it's not a big deal. But if it's more substantial than that, if it's a little bit more of a serious issue, well, all the more reason to have ESOG on the job for you because they've got an entire team of engineers they want to put to work for you to help solve your problem. That is what they're all about. And there's nobody else in our market that can say they have that level of resource to put towards your issue when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues. They're also proud partners of UGA, which is a really good thing. And they're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. I am so grateful for our partnership this time of year when it comes to Thanksgiving. You're thinking about things uh, that you're thankful for. Hopefully, we're always thinking about that. But this time of year, especially thinking about some of these special relationships. And for us here at Dog Nation, our friends and engineered solutions of Georgia certainly count as one of those. So please do me a favor. Give them a call. 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. And that'll get you in touch with our friends and engineered solutions of Georgia. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Connor Riley, and we're going to get more into the expectation of the game against Georgia Tech on Saturday, the nature of this rivalry, which is admittedly a little bit more difficult to define in comparison to some of the other rivalries that exist around the SEC and around college football, and a pretty fun preview of the college football playoff top 25, which comes back out tonight. We'll talk more about all of that and how that kind of centers around Georgia at the top of the college football world here for a moment. But before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And something really occurred to me on Saturday that, and I hate when we do this, but it's probably the kind of thing that we do from time to time, that I think there is a Georgia player that we're not giving enough credit to. And if anything, it sort of speaks to the success that he has that we've maybe overlooked him as much as we do because you just sort of take it as a given. But on Saturday, it should not have been taken as a given. Georgia got a big performance on Saturday from kicker Jack Pudlesny. They got a really, really solid game from him. And I know Kirby talked about this in his post-game press conference on Saturday, and we all kind of feel the same way, is that when you see the field goal kicker trotting out there, there's an element of that that sort of feels like bad news because you are, as the saying goes, settling for a field goal. And you hate that for Pleasant because he's really good at his job, and yet when he's doing his job, that sort of means that the team that you love has kind of failed at what their first job was, which was to score a touchdown. You like to see pot on the extra points, the field goal, and you're kind of not always super thrilled about all of that. But on Saturday, the nine points that he gave Georgia very early here, 
these were crucial scores for the dogs at a time in which points were very hard to come by. You know, on Kentucky's first drive, on a fourth down situation, they chose to go for it. And I think their concern about how the wind would impact their kicker is one of the reasons they made that decision. Late in the game, their kicker also missed a field goal as well. So Georgia got the big performance from Belesny on Saturday. And admittedly, we don't talk much about the kicker around here. That's no disrespect to Hot Pod. It's just, you know, kind of we sort of spend more time focused on other things. But on Saturday, you were once again reminded of how good it is to have a good one. So in light of all of that, here is Jack Podlesny kind of talking about his own thought process of what it's like kicking in extreme weather conditions, very cold, very windy like it was on Saturday. And there's way more that goes into this, you might realize. And Podlesny talked about some of that on Saturday. Here is Hot Pot. At the end of the day, I mean, it's I'd like to think it's a 70% mindset thing, 30% conditions. Um, you've got to go out there and you do, do your job, whether that means aiming outside of the field post for the wind to take it back in, um, whether it means alternative kicks, you have to go deep right, you have to go sky right, deep left, um, total mindset thing. But also, I mean, it's fun when you get to, to face adversity and do different things. So I told you yesterday that I really believe that Georgia's number one competitor for a national championship the number one obstacle that's standing in UGA's way is not any single opponent it's not any other team that's out there there's no behemoth that that you try to avoid because you can't win the national championship you have to play so and so that's not what Georgia's story is about the real competitor that stands in the way of Georgia and make no mistake about this this is a formidable foe the real competitor that stands in Georgia's way is just the full weight of the grind and the fact that you're asked to do this well 15 times and that any slip-up can prove fatal to your championship chances. And so, therefore, if you want to be best positioned to handle the grind, you have to kind of bulletproof yourself. You have to kind of fully insure yourself against anything that could go wrong. And a lot of this is about the way in which the team kind of approaches all of this with the team first mindset and its physical and mental toughness and, and everything else. But there are also these other like procedural things that can trip you up there as well. And we know this in college football. It's the old meme of all oh, college kickers. You never know what's going to happen with a college kicker. Ah, oh, you know, kickers can be erratic. Kickers can be hard to predict. Kickers this, kickers that. We all understand that. That, that if Georgia wants to really bulletproof its championship chances as well as possible, a really dependable and sound kicker is obviously a big part of that and you don't want to settle for field goals but there is a moment in which you're going to have to try them and Georgia won't play in weather conditions again this season thankfully the likes of which it faced last Saturday at Kentucky but nonetheless the mental fortitude to say okay what does this wind mean for me and how do I change my kick because of this and the fact that Podlesny in his own words right there says I embrace this it's actually kind of fun to feel this adversity it's fun to feel this challenge he didn't say this but you could almost interpret his words as it's kind of fun to be one of the main guys here for an, for, for a change and I'm always kind of standing over here on the periphery while everybody else is talking about everybody else dog nation daily never mentions my name but on a day like this when there's when there's uh you know very few points to be scored all of a sudden you care about your kicker again well yeah in a roundabout way I, I guess that kind of is true and you better believe there could be a moment here late this year, once again, where Podlesny's name, boom, emerges uh, quite quite as a central figure in terms of just how good Georgia can be. And at that moment, you'll once again be, be very thankful to have a kicker like Podlesny, who has very quietly gone about his work, very quietly gotten the job done for UGA. He's having a very good season. He is a very, very good kicker, and Georgia is very lucky to have him. <laughs> 
I thought it might be appropriate for us to at least spend a couple of minutes pointing out just how true that is. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. Here's something else we're lucky to have right now, especially this time of year as you're traveling around to watch these dogs play, as you're shopping and getting stocked up for the big meal coming up this week, or all the gifts that you're buying for the Christmas season that's coming up after that, or the holiday season as you like to enjoy it, as you're doing all of that. Those Visa Signature and Platinum cards from Georgia's own credit union, a great way to buy the things that you're doing right now, the purchases you're already making, and get a whole lot more from that as you go through all of that. Because the Visa Signature and Platinum cards come with flex rewards, can really be used for about anything. Gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature card. And there are some restrictions that apply, so make sure you check out georgiasown.org for more details on that. It's georgiasown.org for more details on that. All right, so we have a very busy show for you here today. Before it's all said and done, we're going to talk to former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. We'll ask Jake about his feelings with the rivalry with Georgia Tech. Jake's a good one for this because he's played in the game, had success against Georgia Tech, but he also grew up in the state of Georgia, so his appreciation for clean old-fashioned hate might be a little bit different. And we may even kind of get into privately how Kirby kind of talks about some of these rivalry games. You sort of get the impression that privately it's a little different than it kind of sometimes is publicly, and that's probably a good thing as it relates to UGA. So we'll cover all of that here today, and we'll get you ready for uh, some of these coaching rumors that are out there. Kind of a wild exchange on social media last night with Lane Kiffin and a reporter. We'll kind of get into that before we're done today there as well. But for now, dogs getting ready for the in-state rival, moving past the SEC slate after a remarkable run there in conference cfp top 25 coming back out tonight let's cover all of that here with connor riley on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider oh we'll talk to connor riley here right now and connor there's so much i want to get into with you but let me, I guess, begin by kind of going backwards here for a moment. I, I think that there is an element in which what Georgia did on Saturday, I don't just mean beating Kentucky, I mean finishing off another slate of SEC games with an undefeated record. This isn't as easy as Georgia made it look. In fact, one of the things we made a big deal on the show last week was it had been two years since any team in conference had won in you know as a visitor on consecutive weeks in in sec play you know not to say the fact that georgia's now gone undefeated in conference for two seasons in a row if this were easier to do there'd be more teams that did these kinds of things what do you think of georgia kind of where it stands after it finishes up another sec season with once again another undefeated mark yeah it speaks to where this program is right now and you know we because i wrote about this on sunday when everyone was looking at the Georgia schedule in the offseason, everyone had circled this four-game stretch that they had just gone through and said, well, Georgia's going to lose a game. It's going to come in that stretch. Some people circled Tennessee. Some people said it was Kentucky because it was the second of two games and on the road, and it was a physical, you know, going to be a physical contest, and it absolutely was on Saturday. Some circled the Mississippi State game, coming off an emotional Tennessee game. Georgia won all of them by double digits. And, yes, the score was 16-6 to on Saturday, but I don't think the game was ever as close as that score indicated. And if Georgia's able to get one yard they need at the end of the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's a 23 to nothing game that looks and feels very, very different. And so it speaks to the level at which Georgia is operating at right now, where they're just – it doesn't matter the opponent. They know they are better, and they go out there more often than not 
and just out execute you there as well. And you know, Georgia gets compared a lot to Alabama for a number of reasons, but it's telling that to me at least in, in the past decade as Alabama has built up this dynasty that they have become. They never went eight zero in back to back seasons. They only did it those first two years under Saban in oh eight and oh nine, and they didn't win the national title in two thousand eight. And so for Kirby Smart to get this program to this point, obviously there's still more work to be done. They know that. That's why they're not exactly celebrating this accomplishment to the manner which I think maybe some other schools would be. Uh, you look across the conference, you see Florida lose to Vanderbilt. You see Tennessee lose and get blown out by South Carolina. That hasn't happened to Georgia in these last two seasons, and it speaks to the team culture as a whole that even though they lose so many guys from last season – this machine keeps chugging right along. So yeah, I think you say a lot of interesting things there, and I'm trying to process how I feel about all of this. And I guess I'd sort of say it this way, and I've talked about this certainly last week leading into the Kentucky game and the reaction to that win this past Saturday. Speaking as a fan here for a moment, there is no game that Georgia could play the rest of the way that would make me very nervous. And yet I sort of find myself as a fan who wants Georgia to win I sort of find myself at least a little bit nervous about every game because the real issue here that I think that Georgia's confronting is the grind. It's the challenge of doing this 15 times. It's the challenge of doing this for a second consecutive season. And the weight of that just gets really pretty heavy because if you care about point spreads and things like that, you know, Georgia isn't necessarily a, a you know, that much bigger of a point spread favor at Kentucky on Saturday than it will be in some of the college ball playoff games. It has the potential of playing. So you sort of get the idea here that, that, you know, there isn't one opponent that sort of stands there as the obvious nemesis that could prevent Georgia from winning the national championship. But when you think about the old theory of so-and-so team against the field, it's really the field that poses an issue here. And I think that's what kind of the Kentucky game kind of reminded me of uh, a bit here is, is that every game provides its own unique challenge, no matter what you may think about that particular team, because it's just kind of hard to show up and play at an excellent level each and every Saturday, which is what winning a national championship kind of requires. Yeah, there's a reason going back, I think, to the 1940s. It's only happened five times in college football where a team has gone back-to-back and won national titles in that manner. While Georgia is absolutely going to go for two in 2022, it's just really hard to replicate that level of success, not just across 15 weeks, but across 30 over two seasons when, you know, for the most part, these are, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds who aren't always going to be at their best. You know, Jamon Dumas Johnson, as I've got a story coming here shortly, admits he hasn't been playing at his highest level in recent weeks. And, and he knows he's got to fix that, especially with, you know, SEC Championship college football playoff games coming up. It's really hard, especially as a young person, to replicate success on a day-in, day-out basis. I believe Kirby Smart mentioned that. Uh, going in the run-up to last week in terms of, you know, he talked a little bit about being uncomfortable, but the bigger thing that I think is the challenge is just how do you replicate success every single day? Georgia has found a way to do that, and that's going to get tougher in the coming weeks given the opponents that the Bulldogs are going to face. But for you to do that two straight years in the SEC and consistently find success and do it every single day, Again, it speaks to where the culture of this program is because they don't have an Kobe Dean or a Jordan Davis out there this year. They have a Jamon Dumas Johnson and a Jalen Carter out there. And, you know, at some point, those guys are going to go off to the NFL as well. And then you're going to be looking at a Raylan Wilson and mm-hmm. uh, Jamal Jarrett as those sort of guys there on that defense that are upholding that standard. And on the offensive side of the ball, it will be a Carson Beck, a Gunnar Stockton, a uh, Roderick Robinson, those types of players 
upholding that standard and it speaks to the culture that starts from recruiting and is carried out throughout their careers to when they play the last home game in Sanford Stadium on Saturday and senior day. I want to talk about Georgia Tech here for a moment and you're a really big proponent of this rivalry more so even than I am even though I'm probably in most areas more of a traditionalist than you are when it comes to the Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry you seem to kind of value that tradition a little bit more than I would say that I do what do you think of the current state of the Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry and I'm asking this in the context of what you heard from Georgia players this week what you've heard from Kirby Smart this week uh what do you think of the current state of clean old-fashioned hate as it actually shifts back to Athens for the first time since 2018 yeah uh I I think this rivalry has been done unimaginable harm by the hiring of Jeff Collins. Uh, you, you look at where this rivalry was, and it was a legitimate rivalry when Paul Johnson was, was there. There was a disdain for Georgia Tech. There was a disdain for the triple option. It was bred throughout practice in the course of the season. I, I think I can speak during my time in college. The 2014 loss to Georgia Tech is one of the more frustrating results of the past decade for Georgia football. The 2016 loss was not a good loss either. And the hiring of Jeff Collins, and this is sort of the crux of my story, just sapped everything sort of out of this rivalry. The two times that he got to coach against Georgia, his team lost 97-7. The big reason why I think he got fired this season, and you have seen Brent Key come in there and bring at least a level of respectability back to Georgia Tech in where you know I give them a lot of credit. They have nice wins over Pitt, Duke, and North Carolina this season. They're playing for a bowl game, which – I don't think anyone who watched this team in September thought was going to be a possibility when they came to Athens at the end of the season. And, and Tech, you know, after this, and again, I don't expect them to win. I expect it to be another big Georgia win. If you're a Georgia fan that wants to see this rivalry, you know, have some intensity, have some passion, uh, like I do, because this rivalry, you know, being in Atlanta, Metro Atlanta area, kid, having friends on both sides of this rivalry – you need Georgia Tech to at least get this head coaching hire right. They got it. They could not have gotten it more wrong with Jeff Collins. And that, in my opinion, has really hurt the rivalry. There's not, from a Georgia side, the same level of intensity uh, that you see, even for, say, a Tennessee right now. And, you know, I went up and looked this up. You know, Georgia Tech has a more recent win over Georgia than Tennessee does. Hmm. But Tennessee came into this year's game ranked number one in the country. The last time Georgia Tech was ranked in a poll at all, was back in 2015 and so you need tech you know again i don't necessarily know that you need them to be world beaters i think you've seen you know auburn is an intense rivalry florida is an intense rivalry while those those programs have had their ups and downs in recent years but you need them to at least be respectable i give brent key a lot of credit in getting georgia tech to back to being respectable but this program if you want this rivalry to matter in the way some of the other ones do in the sec you need them to get this head coaching hire correct. I think there's a weird thing that goes on here with this too, and I, you know, I think a lot of what you're saying is pretty interesting. We obviously kind of made our case uh, before you join us about why maybe privately Georgia talks a little bit differently about this game than it does you know, kind of publicly because that's just kind of what Georgia does when it comes to stuff like this. But the other part of this is it's now become kind of a regular occurrence for Georgia to play Tech and then play the SEC championship game the following Saturday. And like sort of football 101 would say – oh, well, you're tempted to look past this to get to that. And yet, if anything, I think the presence of the SEC championship game, the idea that Georgia does have so much more to play for, in a weird way becomes a motivating force in a game like this because Georgia wants to 
make sure it handles its business, gets it over with so it can get ready for that. I mean, I think the the team is probably thrilled this game's at noon, you know, chiming the bit to play it, get it over with, and then get sort of focusing on what kind of comes after that, that, you know, in this entire time that Georgia's been kind of winning the East with regularity, playing in the SEC championship, you really haven't seen them show any signs of looking past tech because if anything, it's just kind of the thing that a locked-in team does. They just sort of stay locked in. It's kind of like the actor who kind of is a method actor they just sort of stay in character Georgia doesn't really ever get out of character and so they're locked in for a game like this because they're just locked in this time of year right you think back to say even like the a guy obviously Mark Rick there at a different time and that Georgia Tech team was actually pretty good but you look back to that 2014 team uh they had a chance to go to the SEC championship game had Missouri lost and applied it to Arkansas Missouri wins that game and I think Georgia came out that Saturday and didn't play its best ever because it didn't necessarily know what it was playing for, what it was going to continue to play for. And because they lost that game, instead of going to play in, say, the Orange Bowl or the Year's Six Bowl, I believe they end up going to they end up going to play in Jacksonville or in uh, in Tampa, and really change the way I think that 2014 team ended up being viewing. Because you know you look at some of the numbers on the on the spreadsheets, that was a really talented team, and they did not necessarily live up to it. And that loss to Georgia Tech plays a big reason why we view that 2014 team in the manner in which it does, and they went and played in the Belk Bowl there, as I now remember, and Nick Chubb ran for a gazillion yards. But I, I think, you know, now under Kirby Smart, again, now you're playing for an SEC championship, as they've done in five of the last six seasons under him. This Georgia Tech game, it, you know, it, it helps that Georgia Tech has taken a step down, and, and, you know, I do understand how some view this is just a scrimmage and a tune-up, but uh, it, it helps that, and it helps demonstrate where this program is to bring this conversation full circle, that, they don't just treat this game as a walkover. They know, hey, we have to be at our best and get right going into the SEC championship game. Go out there, take care of business, get up big early, and then get ready for LSU. Because I even think you look back and say the 2019 game, while, yes, that was a 52-7 to final score, Georgia was messing around with Georgia Tech there, and they paid the consequences in that SEC championship game against LSU. You know, DeAndre Swift picks up an injury in that game, and then George Pickens famously gets thrown out for fighting in the third quarter. And so I think that 2019 game sort of shows the importance of, hey, yeah, you know, yes, it's a rivalry game, and yes, maybe Georgia Tech isn't on the caliber of Georgia's level. But if you go out there and you mess around, you're going to pay the consequences of it because it is a very meaningful game to Georgia Tech still. It is their Super Bowl, and I think Georgia knows and understands that, and it shows how buttoned up this team needs to be to take care of business on Saturday. want to ask you about the CFP rankings coming out tonight. Before that, let me remind folks really quickly that if you're a Georgia fan, stretch across the country, it's amazing how many folks we have tuned in here. They're listening other countries around the world, across the country here right now, and you want to stay connected to your alma mater, the university that you love, as Georgia goes through this very special time of year, uh, as it tries to go for 2-22 and and chase another championship. The UGA Alumni Association can be a great resource for you to stay connected to your dogs and find out where other dogs just like you or maybe near you there as well. The website to go to is alumni.uga.edu. That's alumni.uga.edu. There are potentially game-watching parties near you. They're a place where you can kind of call the dogs with uh, people just like yourself who love the University of Georgia just like you do. You can also connect with some special online products as well, like digital downloads, exclusive video content. And you can even get some special swag that's specifically associated with the UGA Alumni Association. The UGA Alumni association exists to make sure the dogs never have to bark alone and you can use the website as a way of staying connected and connecting even deeper with the alma mater that you love it's it's uh, alumni.uga.edu that's the website alumni.uga.edu 
uga.edu for more on the University of Georgia's Alumni Association. Connor CFP Top 25 coming out again tonight. Georgia, very little drama. Below that, potentially a pretty good bit of drama, obviously with the leading into rivalry weekend coming up this week too. I guess give me like a one or two sentence takeaway here about what you expect to see when the Top 25 comes back out tonight. I think USC is going to draw is going to jump LSU and get into that number five spot and, and further confirm I think this idea that USC does control its own playoff destiny as it should if they beat Notre Dame this week something I don't personally think they're going to do mm. if they win the Pac-12 as a one-loss champion I think they're going to get in the playoff again I don't think that's going to happen but the possibility exists for it to do so I'm also really interested in what happens with Clemson. They blew out Miami, take care, took care of business this weekend, this past weekend. They're playing a South Carolina team that just blew the doors off of Tennessee, and they get a game potentially against a ranked North Carolina team, assuming they beat NC State, which I don't think we can assume after what happened against Georgia Tech this weekend. But I do still think there is a path forward for Clemson. I do think Clemson is going to win both the ACC championship and beat South Carolina this season. And while everyone has written Clemson off, I think you know there is still a very real path to the playoff for them, especially with Tennessee now losing. Even though I thought Clemson, a one-loss ACC champion, would have gotten in over Tennessee, now that is absolutely going to happen. And so, if Clemson is able to successfully jump Alabama this week, and the committee puts them above Alabama, I do think that is sort of signaling to people once again, hey, this is a Clemson team that still has a real shot of getting into the playoff. But if they keep them behind Alabama. I wonder if maybe that committee is, is the committee potentially signaling, hey, even though this Clemson team you know, only lost one game this season, what we have seen from their body of work is not, is not enough to get them into the playoff. And so I think USC jumping LSU and where Clemson ends up being ranked are the two things that I am at least looking for as to see who I think will be the number four team in the college football playoff and ultimately play Georgia in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl on December 31st. We're going to have a go for two and 22 video special tonight looking at this college football playoff top 25. Connor's going to be a part of that, so we'll look forward to talking to him more about that then. Connor, thanks for joining us today, though, on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll also look forward to more conversation with you uh, from Athens there and what's happening with these dogs and back here on our show again very soon as well. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So great stuff there with Connor Riley. We'll also in a few minutes here catch up with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. We'll talk to him more about the game coming up on Saturday and that Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry. We'll get a lot more of that here coming up in a moment. But before that, though, we want to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. One of our video commenters asked me today, hey, B.A., you got that Royal Caribbean cruise coming up? You better believe we do. Great chance to be on Wonder the Seas here coming up very soon. Something I am very, very excited about. And coming up later on February, taking the whole family on a cruise vacation. Just really looking forward to hopefully after go for two and 22 is kind of all said and done. That championship celebration is ongoing. We'll do it in style on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And we invite you to also be a part of that with us there as well uh, on the Dog Nation cruise coming up this April. April 24th to 28th. You've been hearing me talk about that a lot. You can go to RoyalDogs.com. That is RoyalDogs.com to find out more about this big, big event. Uh, Jessica Slater is a great travel agent, and she has made the website for you to get all the information that you need on that. And so you can read the website, find out about the details, the special Dog Nation events, the stuff that's fun to do on board, Independence of the Seas. And if you want to contact Jessica directly, you can do so at 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Cannot wait to have all of you 
on board the second ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up this April. All right, we're going to get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. And you heard Connor say this about the college ball playoff top 25. I do think that some of what Connor said there is probably true. I mean, I think there's a motivation for USC. You've heard this before that you haven't had a Pac-12 team in the playoffs since 2016. So if there's a way to find an avenue for USC, of course, the playoff committee wants to wants to pursue that. And frankly, right now, USC is winning the kinds of games that give them more cachet with this committee. Winning on the road at UCLA was a pretty big deal for you, for uh, USC and their first year coach, Lincoln Riley. And I told you this last week. That for whatever you want to say about Riley when he's been in the playoff, you know, lost to Georgia in 2017, blown out in 2018, blown out again in 2019, that his record in the playoff has not been good, but his ability to get to the playoff, having to go on long winning streaks after losses in both 2017, 2018, and 2019, Riley's shown an ability to do that. I would not count him out being able to do that with USC right now, even though the challenge is certainly a formidable one, facing a Notre Dame team that's playing better football and a potential Pac-12 matchup where the Trojans won't be a very big favorite in that game, if favorite at all. Um, it's not an easy path for USC here, but it's the kind of path that a coach like Riley has navigated before. So I think that USC will be a big part of the college football playoff top 25 story here tonight. I think that, you know, LSU kind of remains hanging on here, but I don't think there's a whole lot of appetite for a two-loss team in the college football playoff if there are other available options. For instance, like the one thing I don't think you'll see is any kind of evaluation where a two-loss LSU makes it over a team that only has one loss that has its own strong case to make. So the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, I would say is probably better positioned for a playoff run, an appearance in the playoff than LSU would be because they would simply have one fewer loss. And we also said this on last week's show that when it comes to Clemson is that we thought based on where Clemson was ranked last week and based on the fact that NC State was in the top 25, that UNC, at least prior to its loss to Georgia Tech, had a pretty high ranking there too. This committee was showing a little bit of a nod in the direction of reserving the right to still include Clemson in the playoff conversation, even though they really hadn't been included in that discussion by anybody else. We, we thought that where Clemson was last week, not too low to still get in this thing. And I think that same thing remains true here right now. CFP Top 25 does come out again tonight. We'll have a go for two and 22 video special tonight looking at those contenders for Georgia with this national championship race. We'll do that for you on video tonight when the college ball playoff top 25 is announced. There was great drama on social media last night, by the way, as a reporter close to the Mississippi State uh, program, or should say just close to the state of Mississippi in general, came out with what he was describing as confirmation of the rumors that Lane Kiffin's taking the Auburn job. Let me kind of walk through this on social media last night. John Sokolovsky, a, a reporter, he comes on Twitter to say, breaking, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin plans to step down as the Rebels coach Friday and head to Auburn to become the Tigers' next coach, according to sources. Sources say the Tigers haven't officially offered the job to anyone yet, so Lane to Auburn is happening story soon. Now, we see this sometimes when it comes to reports. I don't know what John Sorsing is on this. Maybe he has it locked down. But, you know, sometimes people kind of get out ahead of themselves on a story they think is eventually going to be true. We don't really know what was actually happening on this. But we do know this is that Lane Kiffin jumped into the fray on this very quickly uh, in the direction of Sokolov saying, uh, of, of the John Sokolov tweet that's news to me John nice sources and he gives a string of emojis there so Lane Kiffin basically responded to this directly 
accusing of Sokolov of having the story wrong and not having it right and, you know, kind of making up his sources or whatever it was that Lane Kiffin was saying. And then Kiffin wasn't done. Another tweet later on where he says, and he kind of makes up this news story this just in breaking news john sokolov that was the original reporter of wcbin news in starkville mississippi plans to step down as lean anchor and hand and head to wlox to become their new lead anchor which i'm assuming must be another tv station sources say wlox hasn't offered the job to anybody yet so john to wlox is happening story soon so basically lane kiffin is making fun of the template for the story that the original reporter put out there and then one more from lane kiffin the popular meme where like the guys like posing in front of the tombstone uh somebody put that on twitter uh of uh uh john sokoloff and his career and then lane kiffin came back and kind of laughed at that so kiffin makes a big deal on this on twitter last night but the one thing that you don't hear at any point in time kiffin saying here is that he's not going to auburn but what you do hear though is that auburn hasn't offered the job to anybody yet so Here's what you've got. You get the situation where the Egg Bowl is on Thursday, the Iron Bowl is on Saturday. The assumption that I'm making here, and other people online are also saying this, is is that Auburn doesn't want to do anything right now to take away from Cadillac Williams coaching in the Iron Bowl on Saturday. But pretty clearly, they know they have to act as quickly as they can to hire their next head coach. I do believe they'd probably like for it to be Kiffin, but they have not offered him yet. I think that Kiffin wants the Auburn job there as well, even though he kind of postures here on social media. He never denies interest in all of this. So it's going to hang over the Egg Bowl on Thursday. It's going to hang over the Iron Bowl on Saturday. And then maybe when these games are concluded, we see pretty quick movement on this. But certainly Lane Kiffin having some fun last night with that on social media. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, we'll have a Kroger fresh take right now with the great former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, who's good enough to join us here on Dog Nation Daily today. Jake, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you being here. We hope you're getting ready for at least some Thanksgiving. Uh, I know you're busy with a lot of stuff going on, but maybe sometime with family there as well. So uh, thanks for being a part of what we're doing here today. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Happy Thanksgiving week. Rivalry weekend in, uh, in college football. So big, uh, exciting week. Let's go. No doubt about that. And I'm curious, as somebody who grew up in Georgia, who participated in this Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry three times, winning, of course, uh, all, all three of your games there, I'm curious, what does the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry mean to you, Jake? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good one. It's nitty-gritty. Um, at this point uh, in the season, both of the fields are just uh, a mess. They're torn up from the season. Um, it's just a physical football game. They want to beat us. We want to beat them. And um, really, it's just take care of business in your home state, the pride that goes with it, uh, and being able to talk about this game for the rest of the year uh, and be able to have bragging rights. Let me be really candid here for a moment. I think there are some Georgia fans that sometimes get a little concerned about this because, A, maybe they have an appreciation for the history of this rivalry, and they sort of see a situation right now where Georgia as a program is way up here, Tech as a program is kind of the opposite direction, although they have played better with Brent Key as their interim coach. And sometimes there's a little bit of a concern on the part of some fans about a misalignment of, I guess, uh, motivation, you know, where like maybe they feel like, well, Tech's got huge motivation here because you know they feel like they're the little bro- brother in the rivalry. Georgia may be concerned about looking past because the SEC championship looms and the chance to win another national championship. Like The one thing I sort of always say back in response to that is, is that no matter what Georgia says 
publicly, privately, they always seem to be pretty locked in for these rivalry games. The teams that you played on much the same way, making a big deal out of beating Auburn, about beating Florida, and about beating Georgia Tech as well. What is it behind closed doors like when you're getting ready for a game like this, and just how intense is Kirby as an alumnus, a graduate of Georgia, for these kinds of rivalry games? Yeah, uh, well, Kirby's going to be very intense about this week because, uh, I mean, I-, I promise he still has a sour taste in his mouth uh, after his first year as a head coach and, and losing to them at home. And, um, I mean, that's that's something that still just, uh, I mean, that they think about that comes back. And, uh, I mean, nobody wants that situation to happen uh, again. Excuse me. Um, and, uh, and moving forward, everything is in front of uh, the dogs and what they want to accomplish the rest of the season. And they got to take care of business this week. Um, and it could absolutely make Georgia Tech season be a finishing touch on their season um, and, and really make it. Uh, if they could just mess this up, that's what they dream for, that's what they live for. Uh, it's just about not letting it happen. So when you go back and look at last Saturday's game against Kentucky, as a quarterback, you understand this. We talked about this. You know, when you're trying to play in those cold weather conditions, something you've experienced in the NFL now and something that, us, you know, a version of that Stetson Bennett experience against Kentucky – as a player yourself, what kind of appreciation did you have for what Georgia did against a physical team on the road like that? I can tell you, having been there, it was freezing cold. Uh, what's it like to you know to play in games like that? And how, I guess how proud were you of Georgia for kind of coming through a game like that, emerging as a winner? Yeah, uh, in games like that, and this late in the season, it's just finding a way to win. Uh, let's not take for granted of what they've done this season. Um, they are whatever and O versus the SEC, whatever and O against the SEC East, uh, a perfect season in the SEC. I mean, just we cannot take that stuff for granted uh, of what they've accomplished this year and going back to last year. So huge accomplishment there. It is not easy, uh, and especially at this point in the season, it's just about surviving, finding a way to win. Uh, that's one thing we can say about this team as uh, in, in, in different games, They've found a way to win. They've done it in different ways. They've been physical, running the football. They've thrown the football. Um, they've relied on their defense a lot of times. I mean, they just they found a way to win, um, and that's what I'm proud of, I'm proud of these guys for. Uh, this late in the season, man, let's just move on to the next one. we got so much ahead of us, but we can't look ahead and not take care of business this week. And I think you maybe as well as anybody can understand that because you go back and look at some of the teams you played on at Georgia. These were among the very best teams in the country. You know, it came with an eyelash winning the national championship in 2017. And yet going undefeated, even when you have that level of team, it's just still a really hard thing to do. Going undefeated in SEC play is just a really hard thing to do. Like, you know, you yourself may have as much of an appreciation of that as, as anybody does because you played on some really good teams and you know how hard it is to kind of get all 12 of those wins or an SEC play all eight of those wins and to now think jake that georgia's done that in sec play two years in a row and has a chance on saturday for two consecutive regular seasons to be able to do that there as well i mean i just think that maybe you almost have had to have been through it to understand that it's just not nearly as easy as this team has made it look no the 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 focus and the discipline it takes week in and week out is so underappreciated uh, yes, their season is not quite as long as the NFL season, but I mean, to go 12 weeks, to go 13 weeks, uh, and to not lose a football game, man, that is so ridiculously hard to do. The amount of focus, the attention to detail it takes week in and week out. Uh, and we're talking about young men, too. Uh, we're not talking about grown men who are 30, 35 years old. We're talking about young, uh, men who have all the distractions in the world at their disposal. 
uh, and they're coming in week in and week out to go to work uh, and to win football games uh, for the guy sitting next to them. Um, so that is, that is a huge accomplishment. Let's not take this for granted uh, of what they're doing, and hopefully they finish it out uh, this weekend. And we, we can look across to everywhere else in college football. It was a crazy week last That's weekend. Right. Um, some teams, you know, uh, somehow scratched through and won, like TCU uh, in Michigan, and then other teams were not so lucky. Um, and so, man, it is, it's just college football. It's what it is. Um, and, man, just kudos to these, these young men for being able to do what they're doing. I want to talk to you more about kind of what this weekend's going to be like here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Kurt Fresh Tag with uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And obviously this time of year when you're thinking about having enough money to, for the holidays and the things you want to do with family and friends, any way you can save money is obviously going to be a great thing. And that's where Kroger steps in here. They offer you great savings going on at the fuel pump right now because you're going to get four times the fuel points on your gift card purchases and your digital coupons at Kroger right now. By the way, those gift cards become great holiday gifts in their own right. And as you're purchasing those and using those digital coupons, you're also going to get four times the fuel points right now. That goes all the way through December 6th. So make sure you enjoy that right now at your local Kroger. So, Jake, we talked before about you being busy this time of year, the team being busy. I know even going back to your high school career, it was always like the old adage in high school football that you always wanted to earn the right to be practicing on Thanksgiving. So there's an element in which you know the Thanksgiving holiday almost gets trampled by the football season, especially if you're good enough to have you know games that matter late in the year. So, kind of put me in the position of being a Georgia football player here for a moment. You know, you got a regular season finale on Saturday. You're kind of beaten up and a little bit tired, and you got family and friends kind of pulling you in the direction there on Thanksgiving. How much of that do these players get a chance to sort of step away on Thursday for? Do they get time with family and friends? What is Thanksgiving Day like for these Georgia players here this week? week yeah uh man it's a it's a fun time i re- always remember it's a fun practice uh that morning uh they get in they get out pretty early uh around lunchtime to be able to go to wherever um they need to go for thanksgiving uh the coaches do a fantastic job of just rounding up guys um who you know live a little bit farther away uh than, than some other guys do but um man it's a great time to be with your friends be with your family um spend some time together uh i think kirby the way he does the schedule um, it, it's great. It's always a cool practice. And uh, you, you mentioned it, and it got me uh, kind of reminiscent on the glory days back in high school <laughs> of practicing on Thanksgiving. That's such a big deal, such a fun time. Um, and, you know, sadly, I haven't been able to spend uh, the time with my family as I would have yeah. liked to uh, these past couple Thanksgivings uh, because of football. But, man, you're, you're earning a ride. It's fun. Um, and you don't get to do this very often either. But, um, man, uh, there's so many things to be thankful for. Um, and, man, what a, what a great time of the year. Let me just finish with this really quickly. How much then, understanding that this team's been through a lot, this is a busy week, how much do you think this team's going to benefit from being back at home on Saturday and finally hearing, now they've had you know good crowd support in both Kentucky and Mississippi State. There's been a lot of Georgia fans traveling, but that's still not the same thing as kind of being back between the hedges for the first time since that great win against Tennessee. How much do you think this team has a chance to feed off its own home crowd on Saturday, being back there, being in that environment for a tired team that's kind of probably uh, looking forward to uh, getting ready to make a run for the postseason? season how much can they get a lift from these home fans on saturday you think i think that is a great point i think that is huge to come back at home they haven't had that many home games this year yes the tennessee game was a huge astronomical home game one for the ages uh but i will think it'll be a great pick-me-up 
uh, going into the SEC championship to, to feed off the energy of the home crowd um, uh, and, and honestly uh, get in, play the game, and then go home and get some rest too. Uh, move on this week, late in the year, bodies are banged up, and uh, I think it will be good just honestly for everybody's health, mental, physical, spiritual health, uh, going into the next week after that. So uh, excited for these boys, excited for the home crowd too to get to see the dogs play. Uh, man, it's just, just going to be a great week. Well, Jake, I know you haven't experienced very many uh, normal Thanksgivings in quite a while, but you've certainly given us a lot of enjoyment over the years as you've been getting ready for games we've all enjoyed watching. So we are grateful for you, very thankful for your uh, participation in our show here on Dog Nation Daily, and our friends at Kroger, I know, feel the same way about that. So thanks for being here. Hope you can get a chance to enjoy some uh, time here this holiday season, and we're looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you soon. Yes, sir, Brandon. Thank you. Great stuff there from the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. And it's interesting to kind of get that perspective and that story in all of this because it is really tricky being a player this time of year because you still got mamas and daddies and you still got brothers and sisters. And you still got, you know, grandparents. You still got all of that. And uh, they want some of your time and you want to give that time to them there as well. And so you're trying to figure out a way to do all of that. And these coaches understand this too, is that, hey, you got to grind towards winning a championship but you can't grind too hard because you grind somebody down to a nub when you do that. So Jake used the phrase spiritual health a moment ago. There is a certain level of the success formula that kind of does, I think, involve a little bit of a sort of spiritual health and making sure you're kind of keeping it fueled in the right way. And that's not there's no like specific like linear formula to follow to make sure you do that. You just sort of have to have an understanding of you know, kind of, a, uh, I guess, a emotional IQ about all that. And so. The job of being a coach this time of year, I'm sure, is not easy, and it's interesting to hear Jake Fromm talk about all of that. Let me do a couple of things before we get ready to say goodbye to you. First of all, uh, speaking of you know getting ready for Saturday, obviously our injury report a big part of that. And if you watch our Kroger kickoff on Saturdays, you know the folks that bring us that injury report as they have all year long have been our friends at the Durham Law Group. Now, speaking of the Durham Law Group, if you've been hurt or injured in an accident yourself, you've got your own injury that you're worried about. Well, you want some retribution. You want to be made right in all of that. And so that's where the Durham Law Group can step in here. They don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. That means there's no fees. There's no expenses unless you win. That's the commitment they want to make to you is that they want to have the same kind of vested interest in the outcome that you do. And that's what they're all about there. So you can give them a call, 844-4GA-HURT. That's 844-4GA-HURT. Or you can find them online at georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com. Now, one more thing before we say goodbye to you. So we are coming down to the wire on our go for two in 22 kickoff celebration next Saturday. You know, we have got so much stuff going on here with this. I want to make sure you understand all of that. So tonight we're live on video, go for two and 22, looking ahead to the college football playoff top 25. Actually, we're looking back on the top 25. It's just announced, but looking ahead to what that means for Georgia in its pursuit of a second consecutive national championship. And then next week on the other side of the clean old fashioned hay, on the other side of Thanksgiving, we are in go for two in 22 season. We've got a massive, massive uh, tailgate celebration there at the Home Depot backyard right next to Mercedes Benz Stadium uh, on the Saturday of the game. That's three hours prior to kickoff. Obviously, open bar, the food, uh, all the entertainment, a special second generation dog nation go for two and 22 t-shirt this is a new design we obviously have a great design right now in our dog nation store and we have a new design coming up for you for this now we have made this commitment that the first 200 people to sign up for the go for two and 22 kickoff celebration tailgate will get a go for two and 22 t-shirt so 
we're also coming up to the end of that 200. So I'm not quite so sure where we are on that, but I do know it is limited. And this is not one of those things where, you know, like sort of like the typical like advertisement puffery. Y'all, I'm telling you, there's only so much food to go around. There's only so much open bar space to go around. There were only so many t-shirts that were able to print for this. So we got 200 of them and we're about to sell through all of these. We knew it would. These things always go so fast. So please go to dognation.com. There's the top of the page. Click the link there and you can find out more about the go for two and 22 kickoff event. You can get your ticket to be a part of it and you can secure one of those really cool second generation go for two and 22 t-shirts. You can get one of those and be a part of that today. Now, one more thing before we sign off here today, we also have um, a big event next Wednesday, Marlowe's in Brookhaven. That's another go for two and 22 live broadcast. Uh, but it's also going to be a special live event that we want you to be a part of starting at 6 p.m. Uh, previewing the SEC championship game at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. That's 3575 Durden Drive right there in Brookhaven. Once again, 3575 Durden Drive. Already hearing from a lot of folks who plan on being there. We want to see you there as well. The entire team from Dog Nation going to be on hand for that. Lots of maybe special guests too. So it's going to be a blast, going to be a lot of fun. We want you to be a part of it. That's the big go for two in 22 event next week at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. It starts at 6 p.m. We can't wait to see you there. So a lot of fun to be a Georgia fan these days. Clean old fashioned hate on Saturday. Go for two and 22 in full effect after that. All kinds of plans being made for where you might be going for the playoff or what you might be doing. If you're lucky enough to get to the national championship. Let me tell you who's not doing any of that right now. It's the Tennessee Vols. And so many of you are still having a great time with Tennessee after their embarrassing loss to South Carolina on Saturday. So a lot of our golden shoe stuff here is in kind of a look back on some of that. And in fact, let me show you this one here. And I kind of cut his name off. And I apologize. But Dylan Hand sent this to me. Uh, Josh Heupel saying, we're going to be at the SEC championship game. And then Kirby Smart saying back in response to that. Yep. Section 27, row 13. That's pretty funny stuff from Dylan Hand, who sent that to me on Twitter, which I uh, love to see. So go for two and 22 it's a lot of fun right now to think about where georgia is and if you've been hearing those vols fans talking trash all year a lot of fun to think about where they ain't and that's a a great time and by by the way speaking of georgia rivals that wear orange how about those lousy stinking gators uh when the hay is in the barn for this season when go for two and 22 is complete you start thinking about next year and you start thinking about 340 days being right back in jacksville beating up on florida again that is our gator hater countdown we are go for two and 22 we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast time to have the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments here on twitter at dog nation daily in the dog nation comments section as well on DogNation.com. Uh, going back to some of the stuff we talked about yesterday about just kind of the general enthusiasm around the Georgia program and uh, we're kind of making the comparison to like Florida who obviously lost to Vanderbilt and their fans the belief that well gosh you know Kirby lost to Vanderbilt in 2016 there too and kind of talked about the way all this got built up one of the things that Mark Morris shared is he says going back to the 2016 year with those mixed on field results the G-Day game build up prior to the 2016 season orchestrated uh, by Kirby Smart resulting in 93,000 fans got the fan base energized we came to believe Kirby and the dogs would be successful the g-day game was the catalyst and that's an interesting point obviously it was an incredibly successful day and I really didn't think they had any shot of getting the 93k I thought that was kind of like an overly ambitious thing for a young head coach to say but as it turned out that's exactly what George was able to do so clearly 
it was a demonstration of Kirby's big thinking and his ability to kind of marshal forces at Georgia. Clearly, that showed an example of that, as Mark points out. However, I don't know how much comfort 93K Day gave Georgia fans when Georgia was losing to Vanderbilt or Georgia Tech, as we talked about on today's show. Some of those losses during the season in 2016 I think made the 93K day feel like a distant memory. If your experience from that year was different than mine, then I'd love to hear from you. But but I wonder if if that the 93K day, as special as it was, when you got into that 2016 season and games weren't being won, if all of a sudden people kind of wondered, I'm not sure what they wondered, but I just don't know how many of them maintained that same level of belief when Georgia was kind of suffering the kinds of losses you're just not sort of used to seeing them suffer but it's an interesting point uh mitt 302 also kind of weighing in on what we talked about yesterday with some of those short yardage issues running the ball down near the goal line saying that he uh, just finished listening to the podcast about those fourth and one plays he says what i uh i said what well, he says what do i know but in my opinion yes you can run the ball from down there but just not from a bunch formation meaning everybody's kind of packed you know kind of near the line of scrimmage without being spread out he says line up with a normal three wide receiver set with a tight end and then run he says it's hard to get a uh a yard when you're kind of going through that mass of humanity and ultimately that's what kind of a lot of it comes down to is is that when you're in a situation like that it becomes a little bit easier for the defense to predict what you want to try to do when they're throwing a lot of bodies at you you know even if you're the stronger more physical team there's just only so much a small number of men can do when they're facing a larger number of men who are trying to stop them on the other side Bubba Bill weighs in also on some of those you know things that we learned from the win against Kentucky he's he says I think we also learned that our competition teams like Michigan and Tennessee Ohio State USC TCU they didn't perform any better than Georgia did against mediocre opponents that were no tougher than playing Kentucky in Lexington all those teams struggled more than we did and barely survived then he says oops I guess the Vols didn't survive so sad he says mockingly go dogs and congratulations on surviving that four game gauntlet and that is exactly what Georgia did putting itself in a position to as we say around here a lot go for two in 22 it's a fun thing to consider we appreciate you being here as a part of our podcast cool down here today make sure you find rs andrews online for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs they will show up on time do the work this promise for the price this promise go ahead and get that heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs you can find rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for a lot more on that y'all have a great day we'll see you back here tomorrow as well for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then